0: This is Make Yourself at Home, a podcast from BizNow, where we talk real estate, the pandemic and the industry's adjustment to the new reality. In this episode, we're heading to Georgia and speaking to our Atlanta reporter, Jared Shank. Atlanta is, of course, in a very different position to a place like New York City. There's been at least 1,900 deaths in Georgia, and there's been quite an aggressive approach to its reopening. Jared spoke to me from his home about the boom-and-bust nature of the city, how the state's studios are hoping to get back to work, and the looming issue of sublease office space. I started by asking him where he's seeing the first signs of activity.
1: What I've seen is that the suburban markets of Atlanta, Atlanta suburbs, seem to be more busy than the, the city core at this point. Um, it seems like the suburbanites are more anxious to get out and shop and eat out uh, and take to the streets than people in the city. Uh, I live in the suburbs. Uh, it's been, been my whole life in the suburbs of Atlanta, north of uh the city. And even where I am now, I've noticed a precipitous rise in traffic on the road, people in shopping centers, grocery stores, they are coming back out.
0: So the city is quiet, but the suburbs are buzzing, it sounds like.
1: Yes. And I know we wrote the story about the reopening being a disaster. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, that initial weekend, nothing happened for the most part. I I, I just, I think there's a ramp up of time. Second time I've been out to a restaurant with my family was last night. We went to a local Chili's and it wasn't by any means crowded, but we were not the only ones there. I mean, you know, obviously everybody's spaced out. They blocked off tables that you can't use to keep people spaced out. Um, but there were many other people there.
0: The idea of going to a restaurant to me is unimaginable right now. What was it like? Did it feel weird? Did you feel uncomfortable?
1: So it's interesting. The first time we decided to go out was, this was two weeks ago. We, so, and, and look, I'm, I'm as suburbanized as you get. So I'm going to say restaurants that probably most people roll their eyes. So we decided to go celebrate by going to Applebee's. Because they were open for in-room dining, we go to the Applebee's by our house, and they can't sit five of us together. They had no tables to accommodate a family of five.
0: Because you got three kids.
1: Yeah, I have three kids, so <laughs> we left. And what do we do? Well, right across the street was a melting pot. Now, the melting pot is a chain of fondue restaurants. They had no problem seating five of us together, and and they were hugely set up i mean they're they're almost inherently set up for social distancing because every seating they had is kind of private it turned out to be fun um and and a surprise we actually enjoyed it but it was crazy that your typical chain restaurant can't seat these groups anymore like that
0: so that's what they said no groups of five
1: that they only had very few tables that were able to do it and there was already a group on it so it was like this one room in the back but they can't put tables together i will also say that that You know, again where I live, I've been here most of my life, so we have our little haunts, the common haunts, that we like to go to. And there are two of our favorite restaurants we like to go to are not open for in dining right now. They are still doing takeout only. But apparently they're doing well enough with takeout that they're not rushing to get back.
0: So you had reported a few weeks ago that the first opening weekend was a disaster, but now it sounds like things are starting to return a little bit. Things are starting to improve for Atlanta businesses.
1: Yeah, and you're seeing it, too, particularly in areas of the city that, like around the Beltline. Now, the Beltline is, I would trying to liken it to, it's it's Atlanta's oceanfront property, or has become that. It's a 22-mile stretch of a looping stretch of, of a pedestrian walk walking trail, paved walking trail, that has become the hottest commodity in Metro Atlanta in, in compared to anything ever built here, really. And along this trail are lots of apartments, condos, restaurants, retail, Ponce City Market, which is, our, which is really what launched the foodie revolution here in Atlanta. It's right off the Beltline. It was the one that was the catalyst for starting its popularity. The Beltline, from all I've heard from my friends who live out in that area, it has been crowded and jam-packed even through the pandemic, which made a lot of people nervous because of the social distancing. There was kind of a lack of social distancing along this. But there was not a lot open. Now it's starting to open, and I understand it's it's getting better. Now, Keith key, too, is the governor, Brian Kemp, just announced this week that he is allowing bars and nightclubs to finally reopen, pending that they practice certain protocols. That's a big one. That was the one that was still required to remain closed, even after restaurants opened and certain stores opened and, and non-essential businesses could open bars and nightclubs are still commanded to stay closed. And that's a big part of the city's entertainment business, so to speak.
0: You've lived in Atlanta your whole life and you've been reporting on commercial real estate and the economics of the city for over two decades. How does this current crisis, a global crisis, compare to previous ones, do you think? So
1: that's a good question. and uh i can tell you from my experience that atlanta has a history of boom bust cycles when we rise we rise very strongly economically but when a recession comes it always felt like the metro area got disproportionately hit it was true in the dot-com bust it was true in the early 90s recession Um, it was definitely true in the great financial crisis because atlanta was so dependent on its growth at that, uh, leading up to that point is growth on commercial, on residential real estate growth. What feels different now is, don't get me wrong, Atlanta's been hit, job losses have occurred here drastically as is everywhere else in the country, but I'm not getting the sense that there's a fear that we're going to go deeper than the rest of the nation in this recession, or that a fear that we're going to come out of it, it's going to take us longer to come out of it like it had in the past. Quite the opposite. And I think one of the key differences that have people I've talked to is Atlanta's economy, Metro Atlanta's economy, has diversified greatly compared to previous cycles. We're no longer really reliant on just one thing.
0: Why? What's the difference this time around? A diversified economy, but, but to where?
1: So you have more tech now here than we have had before involved. We just had, you know, announced that In the recent months, Google's opening a a location here, a fairly big location, and making lots of hires. Microsoft is opening a a very big office location here. 1,500 new employees, I believe, they reported they're going to hire. Georgia Tech, which is one of the main universities in the Georgia system, is located in Midtown Atlanta. has become arguably as big an economic development draw, if not now bigger, than having the world's busiest airport, Hartsfield. Um, Hartsfield was a big engine for us of growth in the '90s and the early 2000s. I think the university system and the talent it is producing is becoming a more so important factor for our growth. It has attracted a number of technology companies here. Uh, we're a fintech hub, as well. One of the I, I believe there's a statistic out there, and I can verify it later. But I think two thirds of all credit card transactions are processed at some point along the way in Atlanta. That's one aspect. The other aspect is uh, cost of living is significantly less than other major cities, and that is attractive today for companies who can hire their talent at generally cheaper salaries than you're having to pay for the same skills in, say, San Francisco or New York. We're no longer just dependent on who gets to build the next building.
0: Atlanta plays a key role in something that's really, really dear to all our hearts right now, which is content. You've been looking to, into that this week in terms of how things might start to reopen and start happening again. I mean, I mean, the main question is, how is this going to actually happen?
1: So you're right. Right now, there is a tension between those in the Hollywood system who know they need to get started again, they know they got to produce content, and then this Caution among the A-list talent and the producers and directors of, how safe is it? So, right now, shooting of anything significant in, in anywhere, not only in Atlanta, but anywhere, it, it, except for maybe a couple, I think New Zealand is back up again, because they've been relatively isolated anyway. Shooting anywhere of anything significant is, is not happening. I, their perception is they want to get started by this summer and that it will get started by the summer. But what everybody is kind of waiting for right now is, is some sort of universally agreed-upon protocol that will talk about how best productions can work during this pandemic. And until those sets of protocols are agreed upon by the unions, um, you're not going to see anything significant pick back up. But the fact that, it, that people I've talked to see us getting back to work in Atlanta. Studio um, getting busy again and booked again coming this summer means I suspect that those protocols are closer than we realize. We've all been spending an exponentially more amount of time watching and streaming entertainment to keep us occupied. Hollywood knows that. There's, they have the statistics. But every you know, there was only so much that was put in the can prior to uh, the pandemic. And we're burning through a lot of that content right now. They have to start producing new content to keep us, even when we go back to work, you know, it, it, you're still going to want to watch things. Certain habits are formed during this time, and they know that, and they're going to, and they have to. Re, they're going to have to start producing again and start filming again in order in order to meet that demand. I think they feel the sooner they can do it, the better. But again, the protocols need to be in place for the studios to reopen up.
0: What kind of ideas are they floating around to how this could actually happen? I mean, are all characters just going to happen to be wearing a mask?
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I've heard when it comes to the actual st- studio building owners, and, and, because they're not the same as necessarily as the production companies. In in, in Georgia, most of the studio spaces are owned by developers um, or outside companies who they themselves aren't producing anything; they're just providing the space. Um, they're doing they're and they're willing to do anything to get these comp- and get the production companies back in. Uh, and they're doing things like, you know, creating better ventilation, you know, using better filters on the air systems, things like that. But when it but the bigger changes are going to be in the actual, as you indicated in the actual filming. Um I don't and and you know, again, I've heard different things. The state of Georgia has come out with its own set of suggested protocols, and it's a lot of the typical things um recommended already by the CDC um the world health organization things like you know daily temperature checks wearing face masks at, you know at any time you're around other people if you can um that's a little bit more complicated when you're you know saying creating a scene between a couple people who need to be talking to each other in those cases um, i've seen ideas float around like the entire production cast and crew have to be sequestered and quarantined for the duration of the production, you know, even if they live in Atlanta, they can't go home until it's done um, to other ideas of, um, you know, different camera angles. So it looks like two actors are next to each other when they're really not um, or even digitally in, in inserting someone in a scene to get to make the appearance that um, they're together. I. Uh, I, again, so we see the protocols officially come out and what they've agreed to, I don't know what if any of these things are going to be done. But I got to assume in the, in the near term that some of that will be done.
0: How much is riding on this for the developers? Like, is this a major problem if they're not taking up space? Are, are they at risk? Are those properties at risk in some way?
1: So right now, they all seem pretty comfortable. Um, um, Ryan Millsap owns Blackhall Studios. I talked to him recently and he's booked. I mean, he's, his studio is booked throughout next year. Um, so barring another resurgence of the virus, um, he, he's confident that things are gonna get back.
0: While we are talking about studios and actors getting back to work, there's of course just general office. In New York, there's been huge amounts of discussion around plexiglass, open plan, how to handle the lobby, how to handle the elevator, What's the focus in Atlanta in terms of getting office workers back at their desks?
1: So that's one of the interesting things. I don't necessarily see a rush to get back to the office yet. There seems to be a lot of companies that seem to be feeling they're handling things just fine with the majority of their workforce still working from home. Obviously, the commercial real estate industry is here have begun going back to the office. And, and and they're leading by example in many ways. They're feeling they have to go back first because they're also consulting with their clients on how best to get back to work. So in that case, you are seeing those offices open. But, uh, you know, I've not heard extremes yet. I know one company in Atlanta, you know, obviously checks your temperature before you come in. They were requiring you to have a COVID test prior to even reporting back to the office to make sure you were clear of it. I could tell you just by driving around the city, just on my typical day, a lot of the the office parking decks are not that crowded.
0: And it's a different story in Atlanta too. I mean, how you get to work in Atlanta versus how you get to work in New York is a completely different ballgame.
1: That's kind of the irony of this pandemic is the biggest criticism Atlanta had in the last 10 years was our lack of transit. We have a transit, and we have, and we have MARTA. But it's not like New York system. It's it's not super efficient. It doesn't go everywhere you need it to go. And, you know, we were the poster children for sprawl in the highway system. It's ironic, though, that that very thing has allowed Georgia to reopen first in aggregate in the nation. Because you don't need to take a subway to get to work. You don't have to uh, take buses and trains to get to your office. You can get in your car and drive.
0: Atlanta is a logistics hub, obviously, and there has been huge discussion about how hot industrial has become. I mean, obviously, it was the hottest asset before. It's become even hotter now. What immediate impacts have you seen in Atlanta in terms of the interest in logistics, the interest in industrial space, the interest in industrial assets?
1: You talk to most people in the commercial real estate industry, and I think the perception is wide and agreed upon that of all the asset types out there, industrial is going to be the first to bounce back. If it even really got that hurt at all. That's because it boils down to shopping habits and consumer shopping habits. This pandemic has forced many people, even the least technically savvy like myself among us to shop more online, even for just basic necessities that we normally go to the grocery store for. Instacart for food, and it's crossing not just generations of young people who have been used to doing this, but older generations now. My mom's even shopping on Instacart. That The question is, how does that habit carry over once things return to normal? And, and I think it will, and I think a lot of people are banking on that it will for the most part. I mean, you had you have situations, even during this pandemic, Amazon has leased three or four major warehouses here in the last few months just to keep up with the demand and the logistics of Kroger's had to get like quickly round up another 150,000 square feet at their million square foot facility in Fort Gillum, Georgia, just to be able to keep their stores stocked. I mean, this is the kind of impact you're seeing. And I think that's why it's keeping the industrial market
0: optimistic. On the other side of the coin, though, you just broke a story last week about the office market, which was Macy's backing out of a really, really big lease. Is that being viewed as the first domino to fall and we're going to see more of that or is it being seen as a one-off?
1: The perception is, I think it's one-off. I think the hope it's a one-off. Macy's problems were much greater than just what happened in the pandemic. They were struggling before this, the changing nature of retail and changing... Uh, shopping habits of consumers out of malls. So the fact that they pulled out of basically, you know, taking prime real estate in the city isn't too shocking. And the thing we have to look at is since then, or, or be even before then, you know, Macy's wasn't the only big company to make a move here. Um, you know, Facebook has a major office, has a full floor in the same building that Macy's was going in. Facebook has a full floor. Google is having a building built for them in Midtown. And since the pandemic, Microsoft just announced they're opening a massive office here, taking two whole buildings in Midtown Atlanta uh, for 1,500 new employees. I mean, these are, this is momentum that uh, you know, city leaders like to hold up as showing a paradigm shift to how Atlanta is economically now compared to past cycles.
0: There has been a lot of national hand-wringing and anxiety about the work-from-home switch and how tech firms already pretty well set up to just be doing stuff from a laptop, how they might start readapting. Is Atlanta more insulated from that conversation than, say, a place like Silicon Valley or New York City?
1: No, I don't think we're more insulated. A couple people I talk to still think that, um, and it's a story I'm working on, that the white-collar jobs, the recession, the sudden recession we went into because of the pandemic, affected hourly wage workers first. No doubt. That's where most of the job losses occurred. So it's kind of a trick, as was described to me by somebody, a trickle-up recession. And there is perception that the job losses are coming for in the white-collar, the office world, pretty soon, if they already are, haven't already started. And an example of that, and this is kind of what I'm working on, is I'm hearing anecdotally of a rise in sublease space. Meaning companies say have hundred say ABC company is one hundred thousand square feet, and they are using seventy five thousand square feet of it. And they were going to hire enough to fill another twenty five, but now they're because of what's going on, they're not. So they're going to try to. They're still on the hook to pay that extra twenty five thousand square feet. So they're going to try to sublease it to somebody else, so they don't have to pay for it all. You're hearing about a rise in that happening here, which is always. Which is always something that happens in a recession, and it has the has the net effect of downward pressure on everything from rents to leasing activity, because you have companies then that are you know in, that might have ordinarily worked or leased directly with uh, a landlord now could just take extra space of another company, so it na- it naturally t- it sucks out demand from the market. We're expecting more and more of that to happen yeah.
0: As a reporter, what are the biggest things that you're looking at over the next month or so?
1: Well, all eyes are on the economy. I don't think there's any secret. Um, and how the economy goes is how commercial real estate will go. Um, commercial real estate, of all industries, to me is the best barometer of the health of a local economy. So we're going to be looking at You know, leasing, we're going to be looking at office, particularly on the office side, uh, as I talked to you about shadow space earlier and sublease space, uh, the uptick in that and what that means for job potential job losses going forward. I'll be watching a lot about multifamily as well. Affordability was a big issue for us leading up to this thing. And I don't think that even with this recession that that's an issue that's going away. What I will feel is it would be interesting to see if there's a shift with construction costs and labor costs, are they going to go down now because of the because recessions have a natural way of washing out the excess in an economy that was before and pricing for materials, pricing for labor, pricing for land, particularly in some of the hotter markets of Atlanta was, was very high, which was forcing developers to, when they built an apartment belt building, they had to achieve the highest price in that market per square foot to justify the construction costs. So the question becomes, does that get moderated a little bit? Now we're going to see some of that coming down. Those are a couple of the bigger issues I'll be looking at.
0: Jared, thank you so much for doing this. It was great to chat.
1: Thank you, Mary.